Welcome to the Mamas in Midlife podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Lewis, and the topic for today is stress or anxiety. Hey, everybody. I have been sick, and I'm hoping that I will be able to do this recording without coughing too much, but I really wanted to make sure I got the podcast put out for this week, so if you'll bear with me and my croaky voice today. I wanted to say thanks to those that left a five-star rating for the podcast or those that have shared it. I really appreciate it. It helps it get out to more people, and um, I appreciate your willingness to do that. So I know last week there were some that found it helpful to listen to the podcast on depression or sadness and to understand the difference. Also, in podcast 18, I interviewed Mikkel Kristen, a relationship anxiety coach, and in that episode, she shares some perspectives related to anxiety that were really insightful. So if you're interested, you could go back and listen to that podcast as well. So anxiety and depression are two of the most common conditions that I see in my office. And anxiety, with it being such a buzzword that we hear often, I thought it might be helpful to explain the difference between stress, anxiety, and anxiety disorders. Stress is often a response to a situation that's external. Our bodies are designed to handle and react to stress. Some of the benefits of stress are that it can keep us attentive, driven, and it can help us to evade danger. If there is a deadline at work or a big test to study for, stress can help propel us into action so we can meet the deadline or be prepared for the test. Stress can also help us if we are about to get hit by a car to help us to hurry and run out of the way. Or if we had a bear chasing us, that stress response can help keep us alive. You're probably familiar with our built-in stress response known as the fight, flight, or freeze response. This response is what kicks in when we feel stress and it's designed to help us it's designed to help keep us alive. Some of the symptoms we may experience in our bodies due to stress are headaches, muscle tension or pain, fatigue or insomnia, upset stomach, changes in sex drive, appetite changes or racing heart. Prolonged periods of stress due to external factors can take a toll on us physically and emotionally. If we're experiencing prolonged periods of stress from external factors, it can be very beneficial to learn how to reduce the stress through breathing exercises, getting enough sleep and exercise, as well as adequate food and water. It can also be helpful to add in some fun things and relaxing activities into your schedule. As with stress, we know what's causing it. We can identify an external factor that's related to the stress. Anxiety, in contrast, could be defined as excessive, consistent worries, even when the stressor has ended or there's no defined stressor. Anxiety can come from how we react to the stressor. If the stressor is removed and one still feels overwhelmed or distressed, it's probably anxiety. Another way to know if we're dealing with anxiety is if the overwhelm or distress that's felt is excessive, unusual, or well beyond the reactions that others might have. 
then it may be anxiety rather than stress. Again, with stress, we know what the stress is related to. Sometimes with anxiety, there's not something specific to point it to. Anxiety is internal and not specifically related to anything that exists currently. Most of the time, there is fear or something behind the anxiety. The symptoms of anxiety are similar to stress that I mentioned earlier, such as headaches, muscle tension or pain, fatigue or insomnia, upset stomach, appetite changes, and heart racing, and there may be other ones. I want to share with you an example that demonstrates the difference between stress and anxiety. In the 26 years since my husband and I have been married, we have made 12 major moves to various locations in the United States and once outside the United States. In almost all of those places, we have sold a home and then bought a different home in the next place. Buying and selling homes as well as moving can be extremely stressful, especially with children. When we moved to Texas over one and a half years ago, we had a contract on a home we were trying to buy. There were some issues with it appraising for the contracted sales price. We were in the process of trying to negotiate with the sellers a price that it would appraise for. This was stressful because it was related to external factors of buying a home. We were not able to come to an agreement and we ended up terminating the contract for the sell and the stressor ended. My husband, who's very calm and really doesn't deal with anxiety, was able to just move on in his thoughts related to this home, knowing we could figure something else out, which that would have, that's a pretty helpful thought to have. Myself, on the other hand, continued to worry and feel overwhelmed about the situation with the house. I started to project into the future about the whole home buying process. My thoughts were, what if we can't find another home in our price range? What if we run into an appraisal issue again? What about our son and his schooling? Where is he going to go to school? And on and on the thoughts went. This is what I would call excessive worry or anxiety. How do we know when anxiety is becoming a problem for us? When someone comes into my office and tells me they're dealing with anxiety, or if I suspect that's what's going on, I have a, an assessment I will use to help me evaluate if they are showing symptoms of general anxiety disorder and so I can gauge the severity of it. Now, there are other types of anxiety disorders, but I'm only referring to general anxiety disorder with these particular assessment questions. When I ask these questions, the person is supposed to consider the past two consecutive weeks. And I'll ask them to answer if they're experiencing these different symptoms, either zero, not at all, one, several days, two, more than half the days, and three, every day. So here's the questions. Number one, feeling nervous, anxious, or on edge. Two, not being able to stop or control worrying. Three, worrying too much about different things. Four, trouble relaxing. Five, being so restless that it's hard to sit still. Six, becoming easily annoyed or irritable. Seven, feeling afraid as if something awful might happen. Someone that is dealing with a 
general anxiety disorder, there are different options for treating. So very similar to depression, anxiety can be treated with medication, therapy, or sometimes a combination of both can be very effective depending on the person. Cognitive behavioral therapy is one of the most widely used and effective treatments for anxiety. This type of treatment teaches clients specific skills that help them being able to manage worries and anxious thoughts. Anxieties are rooted in thoughts about the future that cause one to fear or worry. With cognitive behavioral therapy, troubling situations in life are identified for the individual. Then the thoughts and emotions are discussed to help in identifying negative or inaccurate thinking patterns. Once these patterns are identified, then there is work that can be done to practice new and helpful ways of thinking about life and the individual. This is really powerful work. Coming from someone that went through a lot of her life with an undiagnosed anxiety disorder, I can testify of the power of learning to understand our thoughts and how they impact us. There is so much healing I have personally done in my life through this work. If you identify with some of what was shared on this podcast today and feel that the symptoms of anxiety of an anxiety disorder are impacting your life, please consider getting help. As always, I hope this information was helpful. If you want to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Mamas in Midlife. I will see you next week on the podcast.